Hi, guys. Good to see you. We're in a series about life change, really, and how does God change us, which is something that he says he's going to do. He reveals that he's going to change us, or it's something that he says he's going to do in the life of the believer, and he reveals that in all kinds of places in his word, verses like Romans chapter 8, 28 or 29, I think it is, 1 Corinthians 3, God says things like this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So he's going to do it. If God has decided that you and I are going to be his, then he's also decided that you and I are going to be like his son, Christ. It says it this way. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. What image? Image of our Lord from one degree of glory to another. So, listen, if you believe, then he's going to change you. How? And our series each week is, is a different how. So, and then they're all going to go together. So, here's what's in front of us for the next three. How's he going to change us? Holy Spirit, that's today. The written word, that's next week. And then the third week is repentance. And I'm going to put them all together. I think it's hard to talk about them separately, so I'll probably talk about all three every week because I think they all go together. But today is primarily the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit changes us, or the Holy Ghost, depending on what church you grew up in, maybe. The Holy Ghost is going to change us, all right? So how exactly is he going to do that? So I think that's a bit mysterious. Would you agree? Like, I don't know how it's going to happen. So I want to start with something concrete that I think we can all agree on, and then make a connection to how it's going to happen because I think the connection there is there. So the place I want to start is this in terms of change, that people change people. People influence people. Would you agree with that? We easily become like those that we surround ourselves with. So like we have there's people with personalities and preferences, and those people with their personalities and their preferences around us very easily influence ours. It's proverbial, even. He who walks with the wise has a really good chance of becoming... There we go. And he who walks with the fools is... Yeah, right? So it, it all works. Um... I think one of the relationships that can change us the most is our marriage relationship. And there's extra power for change there in that relationship. You have two people with two personalities and two sets of preferences, but they love each other. And so there's, there's even more power for change one to the other. So I'm going to use my wife and I as an example for that and share our personalities, share with permission, by the way. But at this point in the game, I'm not even sure it matters. Like, I, I, I think you pretty much know us, but nevertheless, I did ask permission. So we're actually very different people. And over time, though, we've, we've changed one another. So there's lots of ways that you can discover what your personalities are. I mean, we did this a long time ago, but our personalities are very different. 
The one we use is called Myers-Briggs. And what it does is it helps you understand what you naturally prefer in like four major areas. And then as you indicate what you prefer, it gives you a letter. And then they, the letters kind of go down. So as we did that and we expressed what we naturally prefer, who we are, like I was like an ISTJ and she's an ENTP. So that's a lot of letters. But anyways, it looks like this. Here's what I want you to see, Okay. At every, so it reads across this, so you got E and I. So you get this group of questions, and you can either go E or I based on how you answer those questions. I think the first one is like, how are you energized? So you either lean E or lean I. And what I want you to see is that at every place that we could go in different directions, we do. All right, so how are you energized? Well, I'm this way and she's that way. How do you like to take in information? I'm this and this. So listen. If I'm an I, she's an E. If I'm an S, she's an N. I mean, the only one we agree on is T, but barely. J and P. Let me give some definition so you understand. So what is an, an ENTP? So this is my wife. Energetic, brash, original, for sure. Wants to be where the action is all the time has this need to be right and first <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and I, we, listen, we went through this and we read it and we laughed, but it's true. Doesn't like routine or detail. Just likes the big picture. Who needs conventional wisdom? It doesn't matter if we've done it that way for 50 years. Let's do it different. That's just who she is. Values, independence, and then this, like I didn't write this, but it was just in there. May need to be aware of hurting others through love of argument and having to have the last word. That is my wife. Now, I love her more than anyone on the planet. When I first met her, I couldn't not, she was just magnetic. She is by far my favorite person. There is no one closer to me in all of the world than her, nor will there ever will be. But that's her. So this is me, though. Thoughtful. That does not mean nice. So you could just ask her. It just means I think a lot. Like, I need to think something through in order for me to feel good about it, and then it actually energizes me like my run to this platform. So my run to this platform will start maybe two weeks and I start to think through everything. And once I've thought it through by myself and I have a certain amount of confidence, then that gives me energy to be up here today. If I've not done that, it, no, it doesn't work. I'm thoughtful in that way. Responsible. I like to know what's expected of me in all my areas because here's me, do your job. And I need to know what, what my job is. What is my job as a husband? What is my job as a pastor? What is it? And then I have this sense of duty. So if I've done my job, you need to recognize it and appreciate it. I like competence. I appreciate doing something right. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. I appreciate that in myself. I expect that of myself. And I expect that and the people around me. I am impatient for improvement. Any, 
any personality profile that would include the word impatient would fit me, because that is me. Uh, I appreciate rules. I'm not a letter of the law guy. As a matter of fact, I hate that. Well, you got to do this and this, and it says right here. I don't like that, but I like, I like more like guardrail rules. You know, like, listen, we're not going to go past this, and we're not going to go past this, because in here, that's where we flourish. Outside of those, we get outside of theirs, we can expect things to go poorly. So I just appreciate the clarity that they bring and sort of the, the preservation that they bring. I just like that. Kind of a rule guy. And I tend to value the task over the, over the person. So did we get the job done? Yes. That's up here. How did you feel about it? That's down here. We just got to get it done. All right. Here's my point. She's changing me. Like, I'm more, here's the, I'm more E than I now. Like, her person, her personality, and her preferences are starting to, I'm being conformed to the likeness of her. And I would use the words of Scripture there because I think it's, I'm just more like her. I'll give you an example. And this is one of many. And the other way is going, it's happening the other way too, but this is what I can say about me. We're headed to Austin the other day. It's me and my two sons. It was early, so they wanted breakfast. So we stopped off and got breakfast. It was a $17 breakfast in a bag. And, you know, it's like, man, they eat a lot. They, so they get a number whatever, and then they order, like one of them ordered a side of pancakes. Like it was dessert for breakfast. You guys eat dessert for breakfast? So he's like, I'm going to have breakfast, and I'm going to have dessert. Well, we get up the road, and there's no syrup. So we just don't eat pancakes without syrup. I don't know if you do. We don't. There's eight butter things in there, no syrup. Here's what's natural for me. Just eat it. We got things to do today. We got things. Just don't, don't make any waves. Do we have any? Just don't make waves, people in there. You naturally prefer that? Just don't make waves. Just eat it. Here's the thing. I don't prefer that anymore. I just don't. Can't eat those without syrup. And I'm like, we're coming back anyway. Just wait. We'll stop. So we roll back through, and I do a little thing. I'm like, hey, we were here 15 minutes ago. We got pancakes. Didn't get syrup. So now I need syrup and new pancakes because these are cold. And my sons are going, what? This is a, this is a total mom move. Like, mom does this all the time. You never do this. The son in the back who's more like me is like, dad, dad, just don't. Just weed it. It's fine. Don't, don't. Is there anybody, does that make anybody nervous? Does that make anybody, you're like, oh, no, no, just no ways. And I think it's like this interaction with people thing. Like, we just don't want to interact with people. I just, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But my other son in the front who's more like my wife says, see if we can get some sausage too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like. I'm like, hey, we're not here to steal. I mean, I'm not here to steal. I just am here to get, because they're like, did you have sausage with that stack? And like, no, we didn't. And so they came back, and they, it was the manager, and she said, could you come in? And I said, you know what? 
this is like a $2 problem, and I think we can solve it right here. So you just hand it out the window, we'll be gone. And you know what they said? Okay. We pulled around, got the new stuff. They were not, they were, hey, listen, I'm here to tell you, it wasn't a big deal, okay? So all you people are afraid of that, it's no big deal. Don't steal, but it's okay to get it. And those panthers, by the time, they were gone before we crossed the Wabash. Here's the point. Single phrase. I don't recognize myself anymore. In some areas, I don't recognize myself anymore. And that is exactly the phrase that I want you to associate with the Spirit of God. Listen, we get the Spirit of God, which is, it's not a vague power from heaven. In the Holy Spirit, we get God. We get the person of God, the personality of God, and the preferences of God, and He comes to dwell with us and among us, and over time, His perfect preferences are going to come to bear on your and my imperfect preferences, and there will be a moment when you say, like you can drive a stake down five years ago or ten years ago, and then you keep, and you'll look back, and you'll say, I don't really even recognize myself anymore. Does anybody have that experience? I think it's true. Because it's, it's, not, it's not unsimilar. It is similar. This is what we get with the Spirit. We get the person of God and the personality of God and what God perfectly prefers. And He's going to press and he's going to press, and he's not going to stop. He's going to change us. Here's the promise. promise of God is this to the believer. You get me. I'm coming to you. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14. If you love me. So he's, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, if you guys love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, helper. So that is God, all right, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So I want to stop right there. I listened to a series on the Holy Spirit from like Ligonier Ministries, and this, it was the a teacher's name was Sinclair Ferguson, and I recommend it. And he said this. Oh, can you put that back up? He says, do you know how he can say to these disciples, you know the Holy Spirit because he dwells with you and will be in you. Do you know how he can say that? How would the disciples have known the person of the Holy Spirit? Was he like hovering over them or something or acting upon them or doing? No, it was this. Hey, guys, you know the helper that God is going to send because he's dwelt among you in me, in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in Christ, and everything that they saw Christ do was the Holy Spirit at, at work in Christ. Everything they heard Christ say was the Holy Spirit at work in Christ. There is zero disagreement between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? 
There's zero disagreement. So if you know Christ, you know the Spirit. The essence of who He is is the Spirit. That's who we get. So who's coming? Listen to what He says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Who's coming? The Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ. So here's, think about it this way. What do you think about when you think about God? Like, what attributes? What's His personality? And I, I can compartmentalize it, and I don't think we should. I think the teaching of the Holy Spirit would push us to group it all together. But when I think of God the Father, so we got God the Father, that's kind of one category for me. I got the Son who came, and then this Holy Spirit. But I put different attributes, but let's jam them all together. All right, so when I think about God, I think of holy. I think of so holy he's separate. I think I'm a little bit scared. I see a rigidness in him, but I also see in God a faithfulness. Do you see in God the Father how faithful he is with people who always mess up? He's relentless. Now, does he punish? Yes. But does he give up? No. God never gives up. He's faithful, in some way graceful. He's holy and separate. All right. In Christ, there's like a closeness. I know what love is because of Christ. I get it. Like, he's defined it for me. So I can put love in there. Truth. He was was perfectly true all the time. Even if his truth cut, he he would always give it. Love, perfect, truth, And then the Holy Spirit, there's some other words like helper and counselor, but here's the thing. Christ is the exact representation of the Father. He said it all the time. They are one. What did he tell the disciples? If you have seen me, you have seen the... We're the same. We're one. There's no difference. Hebrews 1.3, he is the exact representation of the nature of God. They are one. Christ, even though he took on flesh, was eternally God before the incarnation. I listened to this message about Christ coming. He said the only thing he put aside was his his position and his possessions. But he didn't give away any of his power. He was fully God. Down here, he could still say to the storm, stop it. And it did. He was God. All right, so they're one. The Holy Spirit You get all that. You get God. Don't ever, he's not this mystical force that that flies around. Here's the sermon I don't want to preach about the Holy Spirit because I think I've preached it before. It's, okay, it's the power you get from heaven. It's somehow separate from God, and then you just got to plug into it. I think what I used was, I used a vacuum. I used a vacuum because I saw other people do it. So I had this vacuum out here, and I was pushing it around, but it wasn't plugged in. And I'm like, this is you and I, and we don't work. What we need is, we need what? Power. So I went over and I plugged it in. So now, we got the power to do everything that we need to do. So here's the message. Plug in. See you later. You're like, great. Plug into the power. I know, see? That's why I changed it today. Listen, it's a person. 
Listen to the person. It is the person, the personality, and the preferences of God. Everything you can think of in the person of the Holy Spirit come to dwell with us, in us and on us, to push us, turn us into something that we are not. And you can't get out from underneath it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? What if I go make my bed in the depths? That means run away and do, what if you run deep, 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 deep into sin? Even there, you're going to be with me. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have this person of God with us. So, who's coming? If you're taking notes, person out of power. This is important to me. I actually really like, if you're a note taker, I think you should write this down. It's the person, personality, and perfect preferences of God who loves you. That's the other thing, is the person who loves you, and that is going to bear upon you. All right. So it's person. Do people change us? We covered that point. And it's not going to be unsimilar. When do we get in? We'll go right into this one. Before you even believe. All right, so if, you're, if there's some confusion about that, think about it this way. I think we get the order wrong sometimes where we're like, all right, well, I come to church and I hear the gospel that, that, that in Christ, in, in the sending of the Son, God said, here is the Lamb of God come to take away the sin of the world. He comes to take away sin. And so you hear that and you're like, well, I think I need that. I think I understand that I'm a sinner and and if he really did all that, and that really does apply to me, then I want that. So I believe, and then we believe, and then we get the Holy Spirit, and then we go. It's kind of that order. But, but God would reveal something else. He would reveal in his word over and over and over again that you can't even believe unless the Holy Spirit's already acting on you. And Paul says it this way. So Paul's a preacher, and he would say, he would say, I can't even preach and you can't even respond unless the Spirit's a part of it. And he says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, this is, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then this is the lead up to where we're going, okay? So this is how, he, this is how God says that it works in terms of belief. It says, no, no ear has heard, no eye has seen what God has prepared for those who love him. For these things can only be revealed by God, and he has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So Paul's a preacher. God has given him this inside information, this revelation, if you will, about who he is and what he's doing. And so Paul has it, but he didn't read it. I mean, God gave it to him. And when I speak it out, I don't do it with lofty words or elegant speech as if it was up to me to convert you. It's the greatest thing ever. Listen, God does all the work. I just have to stand here, but I don't have to try to be tricky or cute in order for you to get it because it's not up to me for you to get it. It's incredibly freeing from this position in the room. I don't have to have elegant speech as if it was up to me to convert you. I'm not sharing worldly wisdom that makes sense because the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Here's how it works then. This is verse 13 and 14. What we do is we impart this. What's this? What do they impart? This is the gospel. 
in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, the Holy Spirit's got to be there. It's got to be, he's got to be here doing this in me, and he's got to be out there doing it. And when the two come together, so let's just say the Spirit's not involved. I can, I can say, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become something we could never be on our own, which is right. And you're going, so what? It's the most, it explains better than anything what Christ has worked for us on the cross. The only thing it doesn't explain is maybe what our need for it, but it can hit you, and if the Spirit's not there, it doesn't matter. I can say your righteousness that you're clinging to, and I'm telling you, every single one of us hangs on to these little things, and these little things we hang on to are our evidence that we are really pretty good people. Naturally, we are all, we all know we're not right, so we all try to gather up these little things. It's like, no, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. And I can say, your righteousness is as filthy rags to God. And you, without the Spirit, would say, you're an idiot. I am pretty good. I'm a good person. And I can say, no, you're not. But I can sit here and tell you, you're not a good person. And I can just let you have it. And if the Spirit's there, you're like, you're right. You're right. It has to be there. To even believe is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. You can't even boast about faith. Not of your own doing. Matthew Henry says this. My old friend Matthew Henry, as if I knew him. The faith that allows us to partake of all the blessings of the gospel is as much a gift as the blessings themselves. Here's a humbling thought. If you can sit here and say today, I believe, then the Spirit of God is already gone to work in you. That's awesome. Did you deserve it? Nope. So, now that he's there, now what? He's already done a great work. You've been brought. What does it say in that? I don't know. The, I can't pull the reference, but I know the thing. We have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We've been brought into the state of salvation. All right, now what? Now he goes to work. He says, I will give you a helper, and he will be with you for a couple of years. Forever. All right. Now, now he goes to work. Who's going to work on us? Who? The whole person of God. The person, personality, and preference of God going to work on us to turn us into something we could never be on our own. Now, this is where most of the teaching on the Holy Spirit comes. What does he do and how does it work? And so we're just going to touch it today. So for those of you who are worried about time, this is a partial point three. We're only we're going to do half a point three today. And you're like, they're really, 
the Holy Spirit really is in this place today. <laughs> Partial point three. Because this, what does he do? This takes us right into next week. We don't stand a chance against the Holy Spirit. We really don't stand a chance with the Holy Spirit plus the written word together. And that's next week. So what does he do? In short, he makes his perfect preferences press on ours so that over time we start to prefer what he's always preferred. And there'll be a point where we say, I don't even recognize myself anymore. All right, so how does that happen? The first way I would say that that happens is something that I see in Romans chapter 8. And it's something that I'm just going to call inner conversations. Do we have that? Inner conversations. I would say this because it's something that I know to be true in my experience with the person of God in me and on me. But it's confirmed. I see that it's also true in the Word. And so if you don't have the other, you can throw out your experience because your experience is no good unless it's founded, unless it's there in the Word, and this is. So it's, there's interplay between His Spirit and mine. So here's the conversation, here's the context of these inner conversations in Romans 8. If you read that chapter, and you should read Romans chapter 8, it's all about the Holy Spirit. Here's the question that's brewing. How do I know I'm a child of God? Like, how do I really know? And in Romans 8, he gives you like four proofs. So if some of you are wondering, like, I don't really know. That would be a great chapter to read. Four proofs. The first one is, do you have the Spirit? If you have the Spirit, you are a son of God. If you do not, you are not. So that's one. Is your mind set on the spirit or the flesh? If your mind is always on the flesh and what your body wants and what would feel good and all that sort of stuff, then that signifies that you're not really alive, that you're still sort of dead inside. You're still ruled by the flesh. So that's two. Three, you are habitually putting to death the deeds of the body by the power of the spirit, which is a little vague. I mean, I, I know, but it's a little vague. And then, but here's four. This is the one I want you to see. Here's how you'll know that you are a child of God. His spirit will confirm it to yours. There's this interplay between his spirit, which is the person of God, and you. And there'll be a confirmation there, like you'll know it. Peaceful conversation. Two spirits interact. It says it this way. This is 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children. So there's two. It's his spirit acting on ours. And in here, they're agreeing. There's agreement between the two, his and ours. Sometimes, though, they don't agree. And when they don't, you feel it. I feel it. So recently, someone said, I need you to do this for me. And I said, no. Because I've come to not like to do this thing over here. I just don't like to do it. My natural preference is no. Now, I, I wish that we could pull together together 
in some way, like a personality profile, as it were, of the Godhead. Like, so we would know exactly the person who's there and acting upon us. And I don't think we can completely do that. But I did, I did have this verse come to mind. Like, how, what is God going to press for in me? And Philippians 4 came to mind. Philippians 4 is this. In general, this is what you can expect. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is excellent, if it's excellent or worthy of praise, the verses think about these things. But in general, if you look at that, like whatever is true and honorable and good and just and pure and right and all that kind of stuff, you know that those are the things that God prefers. And so at every junction, you can expect, if, he has, if he's a real person with real preferences, you're going to feel it. And what are you going to feel? Whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever honors me, whatever is, that's what you're going to feel. So, I say, No. I don't want to. And what I feel is God's disagreement. That's not right. That's not good. That's not my preference. You know what I want you to do. You know what I've asked you to do. Do it. And I felt miserable. Anybody know that? that push. Stayed that way for a couple days until, and I can take you to the spot where I decided inside of me, like I got sick of that, like I knew, I just knew. And I decided, and I didn't tell anybody yet, I didn't speak it out. All I did is settle it in my mind. And in my mind, I said, I'm going to do it. And the minute I said, all right, I'm going to do it, I felt like it went away. I was just peaceful. The Spirit is often compared to wind in the Bible. Do you know that? There's something mysterious about wind. Like, where does it come from anyway? Do you guys know I mean, where it comes from? But you know when it's there, don't you? You know where it came from, but you know it's, it's there. And I think that fits perfectly. You could say inner conversation, or you could say inner wind. And it's just, it's just right there. But the minute that you say, and so it's always going to be pushing for his preference or against yours, whatever the case may be, but you're definitely going to feel it. And the minute, though, you lay it down, the minute you turn around, the minute that you start to prefer what he prefers, it goes away. And it's like a new day. Have you ever been in the wind and then out of it? I was at a track meet the other day, and it was cold. And I was just up there, and I was on the finish line. I was trying to time a little bit, and the wind was blowing, and it just, I was miserable. And then right around the corner down the steps on the other side of the bleachers is where we needed to be because it was out of the wind. I went down there, and it was just like, it just stopped, and it was, it was a pleasant day. It was the exact same day, but completely different. Have you ever walked out of the wind and like, oh, that's better? That's it. That's what I'm saying. He's, it's going to be in the wind and then you're going to, and the minute you lay it down, I think maybe one of the best confirmations that you're walking in the Spirit is peace. 
Now, not ease by saying yes, I had a mountain of work to go do, work that I don't like to do. It's not fun, but it's peaceful. It's not easy, but you're not restless. Inner wind from a real person with real preferences. When I make my run to this platform, it starts weeks, and I'm starting to come up to here, I all, the temptation is always there. Always. And I think the temptation is always there to stumble because the devil hates me. And if he can get me to stumble on my run to this platform, then he gets to play in my head while I'm up here. You are a hypocrite. You are a man of God. If they knew you, you're the worst one in here. And he loves to humiliate and drive you down. Do you know that? So if he can get that to happen, that's what he wants to happen. Because it ruins this. When that comes, and it always comes, I hear the same thing. And it's never much. It's always this. Honor. I don't know what it is, but it means this to me. It's like it reveals God. I, when I'm tempted, I consider it. And you start to mull over the temptation. I'm like, all right, maybe. And in that, I hear honor him, honor, honor. Which God is here. The Sabbath is here. He has set you apart to do this thing. Honor it. Honor him. Honor the Sabbath. Honor what he's asked you to do. Honor it. It's just that. It's just that. And it turns me, it, it makes me run. I want to say, it makes me run every time. It makes me run. Honor him. I have someone who fights for me in the midst of that. And he fights for a life that honors God. And it means something to me. And I run. Like the conversations we have, they're never long. It's always simple and short like that. Do you know? Like it's never, come on, Chad, really? Well, I don't know, Lord. Well, I'm thinking about this and this. Like, no, no, it's never that. It's not long. It's just short. But you know it's him. I always know it's him when he says, honor him. I always know it's him. It's, and it's exactly how God said his voice would be all the way back in the Old Testament. I love that story, and I want you to read it. I love that story where Elijah, this prophet, he quits. I think it's 1 Kings 19 or 17. He quits, and he goes to God and says, I'm done. Everybody's dead. They want to kill me. I'm out. Find somebody new. God takes him to the top of the mountain, and he says, why are you here? And he repeats it all, because I'm done. I quit. Take my life. Do you know how many prophets in the Old Testament said to God, I quit, take my life? A lot. Because it's not easy. And he's in a cave when he says it. And God says, come and stand before me. And then he's in the cave, and he's saying, I'm done. You will stand in, you will stand in front of me. Come and stand in front of me. And then there's a storm. But he doesn't move out of the cave because God's not in the storm. And then there's an earthquake, which would seem like something that the God of the Old Testament would do. There'd be an earthquake. He didn't go out of the cave because it wasn't God. And then there was like some kind of fire or something like that. And then what was it? If you know the story, there was a still, small, in some translations, says a low whisper. 
And as soon as that happened, he covered his face because he knew, because who was out there? God was out there. Covered his face, walks out of the cave. He doesn't say much, but you know it's him. He hasn't changed. It's how it works. He presses me for good. You know, he presses me for good in the little things. Type an email the other day to someone. And before I hit send, I knew this person needs just a little encouragement. Naturally, that's not me. Do your job. Don't really care how you feel about it. We got it done. Good job. So I just added a little thing. It meant everything to this person. They're like, thank you. And I'm like, you should thank him because it's not me. Like, I don't recognize myself anymore being all nice. <laughs> Someone did it to me the other day. Like, hey, I got to tell you this thing. Sometimes it's bad. I always hate that. But this one was good. And he, and he said, something won't let me lay this down. And then he said, someone. So it's someone who knows the Spirit. You know what I mean? Wind. Push. Push for what? The perfect preferences of God on our imperfect preferences. Last one. He causes me to praise. There's a verse in, there's a verse in the Bible about the Holy Spirit and it says, what he does is he reveals God to you. And when he reveals God to you and your spirit gets it, it just explodes. I saw a flower the other day on one of my job sites. And listen, I'm not a flower guy. I've mowed more than I've planted. Anybody mowed more than you planted? Don't really care. I, but I know where they come from. I saw this single flower coming up, and the job's kind of a disaster, but somehow this like single flower popped up. I'm like, how does it do that? But I thought, I saw that flower, and I'm like, God is good. If you see something and the first thought is God is good, that's the spirit because it's not you. There is nothing in you that goes, man, God is good. If you see something and you can immediately connect it to God and his goodness, that's the spirit. That is the spirit of God. He causes me to praise. Have you ever caught me singing in my truck? I drive this black kind of half truck, half car thing. Have you ever seen it? It's weird. I don't know why I bought it. I just did. It was a good deal. It has something to do with being an ISTJ, I'm sure. So somebody saw him like, oh, it's a soccer mom truck. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I drive a soccer mom truck, all right? Here's the thing. I'm not like a huge Christian music guy. I like preaching. I listen to a lot of preaching. I don't listen to a lot of music. But there's this song that comes on. And, and it says, I think it's called You Are. And it's singing this stuff to God. A lot of stuff I wouldn't sing to God. I just wouldn't. I just don't agree with this guy. But there's this part, and it says this. But if I, if I had no voice, and I had no tongue, I would dance for you like the rising sun. And when that day comes, and I see your face, I will shout your endless glorious praise. And I just get undone by that. I think 
I can't wait to see him. And I think that if I was totally blown away, like I couldn't say anything, I think I might just dance. I don't know. I know it's weird. I would do anything I could to show him my gratitude. Like I just want to know that all of this was worth it and that he's real. And I believe that day's coming and I kind of can't wait. And so if that song is on and you see me driving the soccer mom truck, you're going to see chaos in the cab. <laughs> I know it's weird. It's sure not me. But I'm not alone in there. We, you have the person of God who perfectly prefers everything, and he's going to impress you. He is not a power to be plugged in. He is a person to be listened to. Listen to him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the truth. Thanks for revelation. Thanks for not leaving us as orphans. Thanks for coming to us. Um, thanks for your presence thanks for your perfect preferences that turn us into something we could never be on our own and I pray across this room that we would listen to you this week and I ask it in Jesus name, amen